Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. These 12 words are inscribed on the front of what many regard as America's most hallowed national shrine, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, located in Arlington National Cemetery. Anyone who has ever had the privilege to witness the changing of the guard ceremony at the tomb cannot walk away without being moved by the solemn dignity, impeccable precision, and deep sense of reverence, respect, and selfless service that the tomb and its sentinels convey. Welcome to this special edition of the Association of the United States Army Thought Leaders Podcast on the 100th anniversary commemoration of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. This is Colonel Retired Dan Roper. I'll be serving as your host. To help us better understand the history and enduring meaning of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and our role as citizens in its 100th anniversary commemoration from now through Veterans Day, November 11th, 2021, we're joined by three uniquely qualified soldiers for life. Sergeant Major Retired Gavin McElvena, Mr. Richard Azaro, and Colonel Retired Joe Bush. Gavin McElvena is a retired Army Sergeant Major currently working with the Oregon State Police. He's a former relief commander at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and the president and co-founder of the Society of the Honor Guard, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Richard Azaro is a retired general counsel for a federal agency, a former Tomb Sentinel and relief commander, and co-founder and former president of the Society of the Honor Guard, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and president of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Foundation. Colonel retired Joe Bush is a retired Army infantry officer who's commanded infantry units in two wars, was the 77th Regimental Commander of the 3rd Infantry Regiment, the Old Guard, and is the Executive Director of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Foundation. Gentlemen, welcome to AUSA's Thought Leader Podcast. It's a privilege to have this opportunity to discuss this landmark anniversary commemoration with the three of you today. Not only is it important to honor the sacrifice of those who fell in battle, but also to learn from their service and their devotion to their country. Tomb's got a fascinating history since Congressman Hamilton Fish III of New York introduced legislation in December 1920 to, quote, bring home the body of an unknown American warrior who in himself represents no section, creed, or race in the late war and who typifies, moreover, the soul of America and the supreme sacrifice of her heroic dead, unquote. Would one of you please provide our listeners with some more on the history and significance of what the tomb means? Colonel Roper, thank you so much for the introduction and the opportunity to talk to AUSA and beyond. I'd be happy to talk a little bit about the history of the unknown soldier. Obviously, a lot of it can be found on our websites in greater detail, but the basics are that in 1921, October 24th, 1921, Army Sergeant Edward F. Younger was directed to make the selection of the World War I unknown soldier in the town of Chalon-en-Champagne in France. And he was handed a white rose to do this task, and this white rose came from a family that had lost sons in the Great War. He goes into the room where four identical caskets had been brought through an arduous process directed by the Army Quartermaster Corps. He circles the caskets three times, and something pulls him to the third casket from the left, where he places this spray of white roses upon the casket and designates our World War I unknown soldier. From here, the unknown soldier is taken to the port city of Luave on October 25, 1921, where it's met by the USS Olympia. And prior to the departure of the unknown soldier from France, the French government bestows upon him the Legion of Honor. 
The unknown soldier makes the transit across the North Atlantic in October, November of 1921 aboard the Olympia, which is still around today in the Independent Seaport Museum in Philadelphia, and has a very difficult journey. They ran into the remnants of two hurricanes, and the sailors and Marines aboard did their duty well, and they ensured that the unknown soldier who was strapped to the outside of the ship on one of the decks remained in place, and they arrived at the Navy Yard on November 9th. From there, the unknown soldier went to the U.S. Capitol where he lay in state, and this is something that each of the unknown soldiers will do upon their return home. On November 11th, 1921, he was laid in what is now known as the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and roughly that same selection process was used again in 1958 when we had a complex mission to bring home the World War II and Korean War unknown soldiers. The Korean War Unknown Soldier was actually selected on May 15, 1958, in Hawaii, and the World War II Unknown Soldier was selected aboard the USS Canberra at sea off of the Virginia Capes on May 26, and both of them were buried just to the west of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier on May 30, 1958, in what we know as a double internment. In May of 1984, the Vietnam Unknown Soldier was designated in Hawaii by Sergeant Major Kellogg, Jr. of the United States Marine Corps, and from there, the Vietnam Unknown Soldier was transported to the United States aboard the USS Bruton, arriving in Alameda Naval Air Station in California, where the Unknown Soldier was then transported to Andrews Air Force Base and followed the same steps as the other Unknown Soldiers by laying in state and then his subsequent burial at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in between the World War II and Korean War Unknown Soldiers on May 28, 1984. It was on May 14, 1998 that the Unknown Soldier from Vietnam was disinterred and later identified as Captain Michael Blase of the U.S. Air Force, and he is buried at Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery in Missouri. I think one of the things that most people don't know is that each of these unknown soldiers is a recipient of not only the Purple Heart, but the Congressional Medal of Honor. Thank you for that very thorough explanation, Sergeant Major. What I'd like to ask you is, since the tomb was dedicated in 1921 to first honor a fallen soldier from World War I, how would you respond to a question if somebody asked, okay, now that we're well over 100 years after World War I and all our World War I veterans are deceased, is the tomb still relevant today? That is the most important question that I've heard over the years that we've been preparing for the centennial. It is extremely relevant, and it's because the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is not about World War I. It's about America's sacred duty to never, ever forget all those who have served and sacrificed on behalf of America in times of war or armed conflict. This explains the continued high increasing numbers of visitation. Unlike any memorial that I've ever visited or seen and others agree, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier has not diminished in importance or relevance to the several generations that have followed. Unlike the others that we've witnessed and participated in, you see with the passing of each generation, a diminution of interest and activity associated with it. Even the form of mourning is different. But not so with the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And it's because it has to do with the very heart of America. And when we look into it further, it is the why part of the entire discussion. Why did all these millions of individuals answer the call of this country? And when we get into that, then we start to understand what defines us as Americans, because they answered the call of this country. Mothers gave up their sons willingly because of the principles and the values that define us as Americans. 
Let's for a moment discuss those who guard the tomb, because anybody who's ever witnessed that, as I said in my opening comments, walks away changed. So can you talk a little bit about the Sentinels' duties and some of the particulars of their unique, unbelievably precise, professional performance of their duties when they're guarding the tomb? You know, there's no other platoon in the Army that has a mission like it does as directed by Congress. Back between 1921 and 1925, there were no sentinels that stood the watch over the unknown soldier. And civilian watchmen were originally detailed by the Army's quartermaster department to stand and keep an eye on the tomb during the daytime hours that Arlington National Cemetery was open to ensure that the public treated the grave with respect. And these watchmen formed the basis of the Sentinels, and they were given very specific instructions that they had a special duty to prevent any desecration or disrespect towards the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I can't really say how many Sentinels over the years have stood the watch since duties were assumed on March 25, 1926, but Sentinels have come from many different units within the Army whether they're 3rd Cavalry, 12th Infantry, 5th Engineers, the 703rd MP Battalion, the MDW Provisional Brigade, and then ending with the 3rd United States Infantry, the Old Guard, which picked up the duties in April of 1948. As a relief commander, I took training of our Sentinels to heart, but I think the question can best be answered by a Sentinel who walked the mat, and I'm going to pass that to Richard. I think before I would start talking about that, I have to emphasize something that's an absolute imperative for any member of the Army that has served as a member of the Tomb Guard. It's not about us. However hard we train, the recognition that we get, it's not about us. And that's not false modesty. We're very proud of our discipline. There's no question about that. But we are the representatives of America. We represent that sacred duty. It's in our hands that America has placed that sacred duty to never, ever forget. We are the form and face of America. Now, we do it in a way that seeks perfection in virtually everything we do. It is a military function, and all things that are done are to the best of what we can do in that structure. It's an incredible honor. You never lose that sense of the privilege, and it's reinforced in so many ways, especially through the training. The camaraderie is just incredible. But with the training, then allows you to participate in the ceremony, and it does several things. That service requires a certain mental toughness, a certain physical toughness, and a commitment that is brought out from within you. It's stirred, it's inspired by those who you meet as you go through your training, and you see the other sentinels as they commit and what they go through. But I use the expression, what happens to you on the mat, that's what changes you, and it changes you for life. The kinds of things that we experience there, both in the elements, in the snow, in the rain, when you're by yourself at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's up to you. Those kinds of things do shape the individual, but it's the other kinds of experiences that really have a searing impact. I use the word searing deliberately because it does change your example, would be a mother who has lost her son, and they're unknown. This is where they come because there's no other place to go. And back in the day, the chains were a little closer. They would talk to us. They would be a foot away, and they would talk to us. We could not even indicate that we were hearing them, but we were. We listened to them. We heard them. And when a mother tells you about her son that never came back, her baby, it has an incredible impact on you that is very difficult to describe, 
old guys like me, and I'm 76, we still get emotional about recalling the incidents and the mothers that talk to you. And one of the most difficult part of it would be when they thank you. Each mother was different. Each son was different. And I can assure you, the Sentinels remember the sons that they talked about. But the way they would thank you, that only a mother can thank you for taking care of a baby. Those kinds of experiences recruit a spirit in an individual that cannot be diminished. And that's the commitment that you see every day, 24 hours a day. That's the impact on an individual and they stay professional. That's the point of pride of us is that whatever happens, no matter what happens, we never falter and we never quit. Thank you for that profound and meaningful explanation of what must be a uniquely, as you stated, searing experience. Could you talk a little bit about the Sentinels movements and specifically one watches the Sentinels and they take 21 exacting steps, then they execute a facing movement and they pause for 21 seconds and then they go in the opposite direction. Could you talk oh, to us oh, about yeah. the significance of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You described it very well. And we can begin with the 21 steps and the 21 seconds. That is connected to the honor of the 21 gun salute. That was deliberately built into our ceremony by Colonel Neil Cosby. Prior to his coming, the guard at the tomb it was a military post, it still is, and they did not have anything specific. He looked at it, and they all agreed this would be a wonderful thing to add to the procedure. The other meaningful part of the procedure is the rifle is always kept away from the tomb. The sentinel is between the rifle and the tomb, and that is to symbolize protecting from without. And that necessitates the manual of arms. So when the sentinel reaches the end of the mat, he comes to a halt, automatic facing movement, 21 seconds. Turns, begins to change the shoulder of the rifle. And when his hand strikes his side, he begins the 21 again. Once that's finished, crosses the mat, 21 steps. And that's all according to the manual. You have to do it within 10 and a half seconds. We train for that. That's not a goal. That's a requirement. These kinds of things that we're talking about, these are requirements. The challenges come with the different seasons. In the rain, you have certain challenges to slipping. Certainly with the ice, there's a challenge of slipping. And then there's the cold. It gets pretty tough out there at times. And doing the manual of arms the way we have to do it requires a certain kind of training that we engage in intensely. Whenever we're off duty, we're downstairs training, strengthening, straightening. We spend a lot of time forcing our spines against the wall to be straight and then be able to step forward through the manual as straight as possible. So those kinds of things. And there's one that actually is I guess, a historical thing now because they don't have the chains as close. We used to train intensively on the ability to look through someone. As I mentioned earlier, the chains were very close to us. And people would literally get right in your face and try to make you blink or avoid their gaze. And we had to be able to look on a distant object and focus on it and keep that focus even when someone came in front of you. That would collectively add to the image of the Sentinel. Shifting the topic for a second, it's quite notable that Congress was and remains very interested in the tomb and what it signifies on a bipartisan basis, both in 1921 when the legislation was finally approved and in 2021, its 100th anniversary, the subject of our podcast today. The National Defense Authorization Act several years ago, which generally is not very interesting to read, had a passage in it that was actually very interesting and relevant. It directed the Secretary of Defense 
to execute the centennial commemoration in 2021 and encourages collaboration across a range of activities with state, local, and tribal governments, as well as non-governmental organizations and private organizations. Could you please describe the scope of these tributes and the commemoration activities, and how will the Army and the foundations and organizations of which you're key leaders going to commemorate this 100th anniversary? As you mentioned, it was in 2017 that Congress passed the National Defense Authorization Act. Now, our organizations have been coordinating with the Army for some time about the centennial. But let's face it, COVID was a huge challenge for the Army, the Department of Defense, and our entire government. Now, perhaps because of that, much of our nation's formal plan for this commemoration is limited to the Arlington National Cemetery footprint and takes place within several days of Veterans Day itself. Our goal is to make this a truly national and enduring commemoration. The fact is, it's not too late. There are many ways that our citizenry and our government can still help make this a truly national and enduring commemoration. Colonel, if I may add on to that, you know, the events that have been planned by the society are intended to bring together all of America to remember and honor the service and sacrifice of all of the unknown soldiers. And we've always intended it for it to be inclusive and non-Washington centric. And a lot of the organizations and communities that we are working with have direct ties to the history of the unknown soldiers. Especially in France, I know that we have been very successful with the American Legion Paris Post 1, as well as AUSA in Europe, the American Gold Star Mothers and Daughters of the American Revolution, American Rose Society, to bring together some key events that play highlight to the unknown soldier from World War I. We've already conducted a lot of commemorative events throughout the unknown soldier's history in the United States. And the most recent one being when the U.S. Navy detailed the USS Truxton from her tight operational schedule to rendezvous at the exact spot where the World War II unknown soldier was selected. And the candidate that was not selected was buried at sea, and they conducted a memorial service in May to honor that event. The government and the citizens of France are fully embracing our unknown soldier, just as they did in 1921. And they're 100% committed to honoring the centennial and are planning large events to honor the countless Americans who have defended them. You know, the city of Chalon or Champagne will hold a vigil on October 23rd at the Hotel de Ville where the unknown soldier was selected. And that's to mark the French soldiers that stood the watch over our four unknown candidates as they lay waiting to be selected in the selection ceremony the next morning. On October 24th, they've planned a large ceremony, a military parade, speeches, and wreath and flower ceremonies that both the President of France and the United States have already been invited to. The Deputy Secretary of Defense will be present alongside the French people to honor these events 100 years ago when Army Sergeant Edward Younger made that final selection. On October 25th, we're going to be in the port city of Louvre to mark the departure of the unknown soldier from France aboard the USS Olympia. Preliminary plans are that U.S. warships will join French warships in this commemorations, as well as having civilian leaders on hand as they dedicate a special plaque on the spot where the unknown soldier finally left France for his difficult journey home. While we're doing that in France, here in the United States, around that same time on October 25th, there will be another commemoration aboard the USS Olympia at the Independent Seaport Museum as they honor the start of their difficult journey home and the mission to bring the World War I unknown soldier back to his homeland. 
ANC has been a great partner as well as the governmental agent in these plans. And they've accepted our proposal to hold a flower ceremony inside Arlington on November 9th and 10th, which will allow the public to come onto the plaza of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, inside the chains, as Richard mentioned, to lay a flower in remembrance, much like the public did when the Unknown Soldiers lay in state at the U.S. Capitol. Also, on November 9th, we as a society will be donating a special historic plaque to the Navy District, Washington, to mark that spot where the World War I unknown soldier finally touched American soil again when the Olympia completed her mission in 1921. Talking about ANC, they've also adopted the proposal to have a special procession to lead the President of the United States into Arlington on November 11th, prior to the Veterans Day observance and re-ceremony. We're working with members of the United States Army Band to bring a special musical score, which was commissioned by the society called The Journey Home, to military bands as well as other bands across America. And we can certainly hope to hear that musical score played in its full entirety on November 11th. Those are just some of the various things that are going on in both the United States and overseas to commemorate the centennial of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Thank you, Sergeant Major, for explaining where the scope of this is, like you said, beyond Arlington and the country, and then particularly your comments about the support that the French are giving this. Anybody who's ever visited a U.S. National Cemetery overseas finds unbelievable commitment from the host nation, in this case, France. The meticulous care that they take, along with the Battle Monuments Commission of America's Fallen from Previous Wars, is pretty inspiring. And one gets the impression that sometimes they have a more distinct memory of the sacrifice of American soldiers than we do. And we need to replicate that and build off of that. So thank you for giving us that reminder. I'd like to ask each of you, what should the tomb mean to us, citizens of the United States? And what message would you like to convey to the American public regarding the significance of the tomb, not only on this commemoration, but every day, 365 days a year? And how can Americans participate in this commemoration? I got together last week with about 15 soldiers, and we were all in the same company during Desert Storm. Now, Desert Storm was 30 years ago. Even though it had been three decades since I saw most of those troopers and since they had seen me, the bonds and mutual respect were still strong. Now, those bonds weren't created by some synergy of our social, economic, or political beliefs. In fact, if you tested us, I think you'd find a great difference of opinion in those beliefs. But what brought us together 30 years ago and what keeps us together now transcends those opinions. The same should be true for the United States of America. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier should be part of our national identity. This should provide us with a means to come together that transcends the social, economic, and political differences that we have. And it is an opportunity for us as Americans to show ourselves and the rest of the world that we can do just that. So if you go to Society of the Honor Guard Tomb of the Unknown Soldier website and you look at their centennial page, it will offer you a great many options how Americans can participate in this commemoration. And it's important to understand you don't have to be in our nation's capital to do so. In fact, our perspective is it's not required for you to do it. We would rather have a commemoration across the country. Wherever you are on the 11th of November at 11 o'clock in 2021, if you stop and you pay your respects, if you ring bells, if you sound horns across the nation, we will be participating in this commemoration together.
There's also a spot on the Society's website that talks about the Never Forget Garden, how you can designate one of your gardens as a Never Forget Garden as a way so that this will be enduring. So it's not a one-shot commemoration of the 100th anniversary, but in fact lives on past that. It renews our nation's pledge to honor those who have served and sacrificed. Thank you for those comments, Colonel Bush. That helps give us a starting point on how can we act on this as citizens. In closing, I'd like to ask each of you to summarize, if you can, how your service at the tomb has affected you and your most profound memory moving forward of that. We've heard a little bit about that, but just to kind of wrap that up. And then do you have any comments or a specific message for our listeners that you would like to emphasize? I think each of us is going to have a different perspective based on the roles that we played with respect to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. My service as the regimental commander of the 3rd U.S. Infantry may have given me more of a strategic perspective. I used to tell soldiers when they joined our organization, the Old Guard, that it was not the most important outfit in the Army. Any number of organizations may be able to claim that at any given time. But I told them, I think it is the most essential. And here's why I say that. If we were going to start over, if we were going to build the Army from scratch, I believe we would begin with an organization that was responsible to guard our nation's capital, to maintain our military traditions, and to honor those who have served and sacrifices. One of the reasons we would start that way is the impact that such an organization and its soldiers would have on the Army, our nation, and the world. If you go to the tomb, and instead of going up on the plaza, you go down below the tomb on Roosevelt Drive, you can look up at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier up the steps and see the amphitheater in the background. You can also turn and look across the cemetery. And at certain times of the year, you can look down to Section 60, where many of our current era veterans are buried. That offers both an impressive and somber perspective. It may be best expressed by citing a section from Senator Tom Cotton's book, who was also a veteran of the Old Guard, when he wrote about the Old Guard. In his book, he cites an occasion when an international VIP was leaving the cemetery and the tomb, and they looked at what they saw, and they turned to their United States counterpart, and they said, you know, you treat your dead better than we treat our living. The image and reality that we will never leave a fallen comrade, that we treat those who have served and sacrificed better than some treat those who are alive, impacts our nation and the world. For me, that is a profound memory. That is a profound impact about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and our commitment to never forget those who have served and sacrificed. Thank you, Colonel Bush. Sergeant Major McElvina, would you like to address that question as well, please? Yes, sir, certainly. As a relief commander, it was my responsibility to conduct the guard changes and ensure that my sentinels were up there doing their jobs 24-7. And it gave me a unique perspective when it came to the disinterment of the Vietnam Unknown Soldier. We had stood watch over the Vietnam Unknown Soldier for 14 years, and it was a brother that was leaving our care, our watch. It was someone that we had spoken to in the middle of the night that we had stood in horrible weather or nice weather, whether we were surrounded by crowds or alone in that thoughtful piece of night, that was an individual that we had bonded with. And I remember recently where Vietnam veterans have asked me as I do presentations, why should we care about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier if one of ours isn't buried there? 
And I have to remind them that the tomb was never intended to be about one conflict. When we were there as Sentinels and as relief commanders and even as the regimental commander, we saw America coming together regardless of their race or their background, politics or religion or any number of buttons you want to put on somebody. And we came together as a nation to mourn, to remember and to honor. It's a place where every Gold Star family has ties to, whether they can go visit their loved one's grave or they can't. The tomb is that location as a nation where we do come together to remember, to honor, and respect. And even if that crypt is empty, it has still been dedicated to remembering and keeping faith with our missing service members. The tomb means so much more than just simply a grave or a rock, as some have called it. It is truly that heart of Arlington National Cemetery and is a national shrine that we should all embrace And I would say at the community level, grassroots level, find ways to remember that and bring the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier into your community so that you can unite with your fellow Americans and honor those millions of your fellow countrymen who have served and sacrificed. Thank you, Sergeant Major. Mr. Rosero, over to you. As we began the planning for the centennial many years ago, We started with the belief that the centennial offered us an opportunity to do exactly what the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier has been doing for all these years. It unites the country around love of country. We set about thinking how we would implement that. How can we do that? And we took our lessons from our experiences at the tomb. And as Colonel Bush points out, his level and his operational activities and leadership and his command down through the ranks all the way to me as the sentinel or our sentinels. And when we took those collective experiences, we started to see ways in which we could reach back into America, the America that came to us and we witnessed and impacted us so very strongly in our lives and affected us all the way through. And so began the thinking of, we'll do it by reuniting America with all those who have served and sacrificed. And there began the specific initiatives. And two have been mentioned, and I think it's worth repeating, the Never Forget Garden and the National Salute. Each of them reached into the community all the way down to the individual level. Organizations, government, private, so forth, yes, but all the way down to the individual to reach back to them and impact them or awaken them or invite them back, if you will, exactly as they would experience if they were at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. No matter how large a ceremony, no matter how large the visitation, it's a very, very personal experience. And that's something that I can speak to as a sentinel because these are the kinds of things that I observed and affected me as I went on through the rest of my service and later on in my professional career. I think the person who captured it for me the best way gave me the structure to form the thoughts and allow me to suggest ideas along the way. Abraham Lincoln had occasion to talk about what it was we were experiencing on our holidays and certain events and why people felt so good. And it was exactly the kind of thing that I experienced as I served and made my observations at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. People feel something there. They're changed. We see that. You can watch a group of people come to the tomb, thousands. And when they come to the tomb, they're individuals and they're moving a certain way, but something happens during the changing of the guard and after they watch the sentinel. And you see it in their faces, young and old. They're changed. Lincoln referred to it as the electric cord that connects us to every patriot grave. 
And that's the way I would offer it up and saying the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and what we are experiencing, what many individuals try to and do very good job of explaining what they feel and what they see is that national identity. That's the electric cord. That's what keeps us the nation of hope that we are, have been and will be. And it's about who we are as Americans. And that's what the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is about. So when we go out and we talk to people, it's to encourage activities and interactions that help them understand individuals in their own community and how they participated and what they did. The stories are incredible. They're not stories. They're narratives. It really happened. And that's who we are as Americans. And that's what we want to do. We want to create opportunities that are not just a one-day event. This is about long-term and making sure we pass on and communicate to those who follow us this wonderful country and the wonderful things and the wonderful people and their incredible actions. I have experiences that I could talk about and how it affected me. I think Colonel Bush and Sergeant Major McElvena talked about those are the highlights. Those are the points that I would really want to stress. And I think those who I saw that mourned at the tomb, I think that's what they would want me to say to our fellow Americans. One of the things I would like to offer here is that while we may have been impassioned about doing this, it may be hard for people who are listening to understand how to get involved. And believe me, we would like to assist. One of the things we can offer is if an organization wants to hear more about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, perhaps get a presentation about it, or understand what it's like to serve in Arlington Cemetery or in the Old Guard, we're interested in connecting with them, certainly by Zoom or other kinds of systems, or maybe even in person, giving a presentation about it. If people want to get in contact with us, they can look at our websites, the Society for the Honor Guard Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, or the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Foundation. Even more simply, if you look at Twitter, you can look at at SHGTUS, Society for the Honor Guard, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, or at Tomb Foundation. And those are ways that you can get in contact with us so we can help you understand how you can get involved wherever you are in America. And so it can be an enduring and nationwide commemoration that does not end so that we can help you rekindle our country's sacred duty to never forget or forsake those who serve and sacrifice for America. Thank you for that, Colonel Bush. I can assure you the AUSA chapters that we have around the country and the world will be eager to take you up on that. These are great citizens, great Americans that are out there doing the right thing for the right reason. And what you just highlighted and the three of you have brought forth today is an example of the kind of people they are and you all epitomize what they want to honor and respect. So thank you, Sergeant Major Retired Gavin McElvain, Mr. Richard Azero, and Colonel Retired Joe Bush for your insights on the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and all that it stands for. Thank you also for your service to your country, both in uniform and out. You've given us a powerful message in being a better citizen. I encourage our listeners to find out what's going on in their community with the insights that were provided on how to connect to this effort not just on November 11th, but throughout the year. It really struck me, again, the bipartisan nature of this that existed a century ago and it exists today to take advantage of the opportunity to rekindle a sense of national identity and service. As Congressman Hamilton Fish realized a century ago, the importance of recognizing and honoring an unknown American warrior who represents no section, creed, or race, and typifies the soul of America and the supreme sacrifice of her heroic dead. 
Keeping the spirit alive through the example of the tomb of the unknown soldier and those who guard it honors the ultimate sacrifice of all those who have fallen and should guide us for the next hundred years and beyond. Thank you. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army day. Hua.